Father, we bow before you today, God, and we recognize that you are the great I am. You're the only one, Father, who deserves our praise, who deserves our glory, who deserves our life. God, you are greater and mightier and holier than anyone or anything that's ever existed. You are forever. You are eternal. God, we praise you today. We thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for including us in your plan. Thank you, God, for coming to us and saving us and giving us the hope of eternity to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we just praise him again? Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Man, it's great to be here. It's great to have Caleb back with us today and his family. Amen. It's been a two, it's been a two year, um, what would we call it? We could call it a sabbatical. It's a, an awayness, but he's back. Amen. Thank, thank you, Caleb, for being here and helping us today. And, um, if you take your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Matthew. That's where we're going to be. We're continuing our oxygen series that we began last week. And our first topic uh, that we're continuing today is forgiveness. And uh, what did you say? Did somebody laugh? Some people, somebody, somebody got upset that I preached on forgiveness last week, and um, well, I'm going to preach on it again. So that's that's why, just because you know, you just stir the pot a little bit. But hey, forgiveness is a big deal, and um, doesn't matter who you are, you have been offended, and you will offend someone. How many of you got offended this week? Anybody? All right. There are a few people that got offended this week. How many of you know that you offended someone this week? How many of you liked it? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, there you go. See, we're going to get offended. We're going to offend people. That's, that is uh, basically, you know, what you experience in relationships because we are all imperfect people. And when you're dealing with imperfect people, you're going to deal with offenses and getting your feelings hurt and uh, getting mad and angry. You're going to deal with it in your marriage. You're going to deal with it in relationships with friends at work. You're going to deal with it in your family. You're going to deal with it in your small groups and community with other believers. Uh, you're going to deal with it at church on Sunday. Somebody's going to make you mad today, and that might be me because we talked about forgiveness last week, and we're talking about it again this week, and it's just not a great thing that you want to talk about because... I'm convinced that we like our unforgiveness. And I'm really talking, when I say we, I mean I. All right, I'm talking from my own experience. I don't just prepare some canned message. I, I talk to you from my life, all right? And I, I struggle with forgiveness. But I know that God wants forgiveness. And it's God's greatest and highest calling. And that is to forgive. It's the holiest thing that we can do is to forgive another that has offended us. And uh, today I want us to be in Matthew uh, chapter 18. You can you can hold your place there and you can write this down. The first thing in your in your notes today is that one of the greatest determining factors in all of my relationships, the greatest determining factor in all of my relationships is how I respond when I'm offended. Would you agree with that? That one of the greatest determining factors in all my relationships is how I respond when I'm offended. See, when you get offended, what is your first response? If you're like me, then, you know, you, you, it's, it's probably anger. It's, it might be slander. 
I'm not saying I slander you, but hey, that's a that's a go to for many of us is that when we get offended, we get angry. Sometimes we slander that person. Other times we shut down and we shut them out of our lives. Uh, other times we run away. Uh, but how about you? What do you do? Do you retaliate? Many times we retaliate against that person that has offended us. It's natural to defend ourselves and to protect ourselves whenever we are offended, whenever we are hurt, whenever we are violated, whenever we are cheated, when someone rises up against us, it is our nature to have some form of defense. You may not be like me. You may not be the guy that runs away. You may be the guy that says, let's put them on. Let's get at it right now. Let's fight this out and let's just deal with it right here. And you like that. I don't. I don't like that. But that's the way many of us are wired. We we like to fight it out. Some of us like to run away. We deal with our issues and our offenses in different ways. But it's natural to have our own way of dealing with issues. But uh, what about what if you think about this? What if your greatest weapon of defense was forgiveness? Can you imagine that? That your greatest weapon of defense against someone who has offended you? What if it was forgiveness? What if that was your go-to choice, your go-to weapon of defense? I know it's not natural, but forgiveness is so important. And because if it's so important, I want to talk about it again today. Because if we don't allow ourselves to forgive those who have offended or deeply hurt us, it can destroy our relationships, it can destroy our person, our self, and it can destroy our influence and our impact on the kingdom of God. And that's our first that's our first goal is to impact the kingdom of God for God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness today uh, at the most basic level. Forgiveness is basically this. It's releasing someone from a debt or obligation. That is a basic definition of forgiveness. But I found another definition that I want us to kind of work from today. And it's a definition from John MacArthur. John said this. He says that forgiveness is a statement of undeserved, unearned love. That affirms that though I have been offended, there is no anger, there is no hatred, there is no desire for vengeance, and there's no bitterness and no retaliation. That is what forgiveness is. And it's that way because what you've done is you have, you have released the guilt and you have released the blame and you have released the emotions that are, that are, um, Involved in those, you're releasing that person from the obligation of paying you back. That's what forgiveness is. Well, as a teacher and as, as an expert in the law, Jesus was positioned to field a lot of questions about a lot of life issues. And you can read from Matthew chapter 4 on to about chapter 7 and where he had the Sermon on the Mount. He's dealing with a lot of issues. And one of the issues that he deals with when he's questioned, not in those, not in those verses in chapter but what he dealt with later on in chapter 18 was an issue of forgiveness. And so he told the great story in Matthew 18. Well, first of all, you have this guy named Peter who was, if you know anything about Peter, Peter was abrasive. He was very open with his thoughts. He, he was kind of a loud mouth guy. He was all about putting people on the spot and challenging the issue. And they were talking about forgiveness. And so Peter says, hey, what is this deal about forgiveness because he is trying to figure out how you're supposed to forgive and he just couldn't reason it out in his mind. And in one, it's one thing to learn forgiveness, but it's a whole different experience to have to live forgiveness every day of your life. Peter was being called into forgiving others and he was struggling with that because 
on a daily basis, he was butting heads. He was offending people and he was being offended. And so he asked the question, Matthew 18, verse 21, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Well, what did Jesus say? He said, I did not say that you forgive up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And what Jesus was saying is you forgive an infinite amount of times. You always forgive. Forgiveness is not an option. You always forgive. Well, that was a little bit of a difficult thing for Peter to swallow. He just didn't understand how you could forgive over and over and over because there was there was a, a standard that you would forgive someone up to three times. Peter thought he was doing great by doubling it and adding one. On the fourth time, you would consider that person um, not forgivable and you would just send them on their way. But this is what Jesus said, that you forgive 70, 70 times seven, an infinite number of times. And so you continually forgive. So there were questions about forgiveness and there were questions about forgiveness, first of all, because it was difficult. But there were questions also about forgiveness because forgiveness to them was unnatural and it was unexpected because they lived their life by the letter of the law. And if you go to the law, the, the law is basically the first five books of the Bible. You go to Leviticus and you'll see the law. Here's an example. Levitic, Leviticus chapter 24. And Leviticus 24 is basically the theme chapter for fairness and justice. Listen to what it says. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Heard that, right? We practice that today. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good. Life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. And so what it's saying there is if you, uh, one version says, if you disfigure your neighbor, if you disfigure him, then you'll be disfigured the same way. So if you injure your neighbor, then it's going to be done to you because it's all about fairness. If you break your neighbor's arm, then they're going to break your arm. If you steal from your neighbor, they're going to take from you. If you, um, if you give your neighbor a black eye, then you're going to get a black eye. And it just gets worse and worse and worse because it's, you know, you know the story, right? It's eye for eye. It's tooth for tooth. It's about fairness. It's about justice. And so Leviticus 24 teaches us about those things. And that's where these guys operated from. They operated from the law. It wasn't fair to have to forgive more than three times. It wasn't fair to have to forgive an infinite number of time if your brother continues to hurt you and hurt you and hurt you and continue to do the same thing over and over and over. It just didn't make sense. So what Jesus taught was countercultural. Cultural philosophy was about fairness and retaliation. A countercultural philosophy was about forgiveness and reconciliation. And that's where we live today. We don't live by the law. We live by grace. When Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. It didn't totally abolish it. It didn't just go away. But what he did is he made things better. He, he, he says that you rise above what's expected and you go the extra mile. And so instead of just forgiving the three times and maybe a fourth or maybe even seven, you forgive over and over and over. And what I found is sometimes forgiveness, it's not just difficult. It's hurt. It hurts. It's not just difficult. It feels like you're dying to have to say, hey, I I forgive you and I release you from the debt or obligation that you owe me. So forgiveness is difficult. Daniel chapter nine, verse nine. 
said that the Lord our God, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. God didn't just have an epiphany one day and think about this idea of forgiveness. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God had a plan already in place to help them understand and learn and experience forgiveness. And it continued throughout the Old Testament. And it continues today in a different form and fashion where His Son, Jesus Christ, demonstrated for us <clears throat> the epitome of what real forgiveness <clears throat> excuse me, and sacrifice are. And so the first thing I want you to see today is the first lesson on your sheet is when offenses beg for fairness, God demands forgiveness. When offenses beg for fairness, God demands forgiveness. See, when God demands forgiveness and we choose unforgiveness, we walk in disobedience to God. And we live in this, this realm of being threatened to, to not experience forgiveness ourselves. He says, if you do not forgive those who have offended you, then you will not be forgiven by God. I mean, it's very clear in Matthew chapter 6. And so forgiveness is a big deal. And so we are commanded to forgive. And what I understand is that we do not just say, listen to God, and God says, hey, you got to forgive. And we don't just directly rebel against God and just say, God, I'm not going to forgive because I hate the idea of forgiveness. I am blatantly just going to live in disobedience to you, and you're going to have to be fine with it. I don't believe that we really say that. Maybe you do. I find that I don't really say that, you know. But I just sort of think about the person. Because my... My tendency is to become relationship-focused and relationship-centered. I focus more on the person and what they've done to me, and I, I kind of get selfish. You ever get selfish when it comes to your hurts and your offenses? And we kind of get on this horizontal plane, we're just thinking about the other person and all that they've ever done to us and how they've hurt us and how they've, they've wronged us and how we need to make it right. But if we're ever going to really get to forgiveness and come out of that rebellious state against God and unforgiveness then we've got to, instead of being relationship-centered, we have to be Christ-centered. We have to be Christ-centered. Because when Christ is your center, when Christ is your focus, when you're, when you're looking to Him, then what he's, he's speaking life into you. And yes, He's challenging you, but He's speaking truth into you. And He is leading the way for you to experience abundant life here and now. Not just in eternity, but one of the greatest ways we experience the abundant life is because we're in relationship with one another, we have to experience giving and receiving forgiveness. We have to become Christ-centered. But so often, we do live in disobedience. We have all the reasons why. Man, I gave you a list last week of, here are a few, because it doesn't feel right to forgive, because I don't want to dig up that old issue, because I feel like I'm going to be the weaker one in, in the relationship, because what if they what if they don't accept it? And my favorite one was, well, what if they do? Because if they do accept my forgiveness, then that might mean I have to reconcile. I have to come face to face with them and I have to deal with them again. And what if they do it again? Because, listen, it's happened to me. I've been burned. I had a lady that burned me one time in church and she was the piano player. And I think I think that she was the devil, really. And um, she was really she was a really good musician. And everybody kind of looked to her for a leadership. And she got offended by I think she just walked in offensiveness. She was just offended by everything. And she, um, she, I, this is my first church that I pastored. And she wanted me to be gone. And so she circulated this petition to get people to sign it so they could fire me as their pastor. Well, I had some godly men who stepped into my corner 
And this lady and along with about 30 or 40 other people left the church. And I said, it'll be over my dead body that they return to this church. Don't ever say that, okay? Ever. Don't ever say that. Because it wasn't just, I guess, about four months later, she wanted to come back. And I said, okay, well, if she wants to come back, she's going to have to come and talk to me. So she came back and she she confronted me and she just said, I want to start over. I mean, she had tears in her eyes. She said, I want to start over. She stuck her hand out and she said, hi, my name is, well, her name was Helen. Um, I think, you know, short was hell. Um, I mean, she she seemed straight from hell to me. I mean, it was just, and that's, I'm just telling you like I saw it, okay? Uh, I'm not saying that she was really the devil, but she was full of the devil because there are people that they don't understand what forgiveness is. And so she came to me and she wanted to work things out. And then it wasn't but about a week and a half, two weeks later, she did the same thing. She gone. She's out. Uh, she left. She didn't come back. And I re- resolved in my heart that I would not forgive that woman. And it would be over my dead body that she came back and she didn't come back. And I, I just kind of had a stance that that wasn't going to happen again. But you know what? It was about me protecting myself. Sometimes when you want to forgive others and when, when you're looking at forgiveness and what that process is going to look like, it's very scary. And you got to realize you've got to make yourself vulnerable. You've got to open yourself up. And there is the possibility that you'll be hurt again. And I think that's why many times we just like to stay in that safe place with all of our reasons why we won't forgive. But God's not satisfied with that. So as Peter asked the questions about forgiveness, Jesus told him a story. And he told him this story about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 18. And he said in the kingdom of heaven, it's compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And you may know the story that this king was calling in his servants and there was this one servant who owed him a lot of money. It says that he owed 10,000 talents. Well, a talent was the highest form of of money that you that you had. And 10,000 was... Basically just saying that 10,000 was the highest number. So 10,000 talents. I mean, he owed an, an, innumerable, an innumerable amount of money that he probably would never really be able to pay back. And so he begged for mercy and he begged for grace. And, and out of pity and out of mercy, this king said, okay, I'm going to set you free. And I'm going to set you free from all your debts. And so that servant leaves. And as he leaves... He finds a fellow servant that's kind of, maybe this guy's walking past him. Maybe he's going in to stand before the king. And this servant who had just experienced the greatest forgiveness in all of his life sees this servant who actually owed him some money. And he owed him a hundred denarii. And a hundred denarii, if you want to talk about talents, in in today's um, currency, it would be about $200,000. When you talk about denarii, you're looking at pennies. Probably about $2,000 in today's currency. And so this servant grabs, grabs that fellow servant and demands that he pay the little bit that he owed. Well, the people heard about it. They saw, they saw it take place and they just couldn't believe their eyes. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And so they go and they send word to the king about what happened. Well, the king sends for that, that servant to come back in and he throws him into what was called the debtor's prison. And debtor's prison was when you would go and you'd work for years of your life making pennies to pay off the debt. And if you're making pennies a day, it would seem like you would never pay off the amount that you owed if you owe $200,000 to the king. So he was thrown into prison to pay that off. 
And this is what I gather from that. Is that because Christ has forgiven me of my great capacity of sin against Him, I must forgive. And on your note sheet, there's a blank. I must forgive blank for his or her offenses against me. And my intention is, is that you would have brought back that post-it note that you had from last week with the name on it. And that you might just write that name in that blank. Because I'm not just preaching to you a hypothetical message on forgiveness. I really believe we're supposed to practice what we preach. And this has challenged me. And man, I've, I've found that I have a list of people that I have to forgive. And I've got several names that are in my blank. And so just write that person's name in there. Because Christ has forgiven me of my great capacity of sin against him, I must forgive blank for his or her offense against me. Because what we have to realize is that we have been forgiven the greatest capacity of sin. We sinned against God, and God found it within himself, though he didn't have to, but he chose to, to forgive us. He forgave us and he set us free, just like this king in in the story, in the parable, did for that servant. And so often we are guilty of being like that unmerciful servant who went out, even though we've been forgiven, and holding debts over the heads of people who owe us just a little bit. Someone who might have said something wrong about us, or someone who might not have paid us all that we were owed, or someone who might have uh, caused others to turn their back on us. Someone who might have abused us. Someone who might have left us when we were young, whatever it is, we hold those things over their heads. And though they seem like great offenses to us, they don't even begin to compare to the great offenses that we have against God, that we have sinned against Him. And it has caused us to be separated from Him and be distant from Him. But God has given us this ministry called the ministry of reconciliation. Paul talks about it in the book of Corinthians and how we are to be ambassadors for Christ and how we are to reconcile man with God. But I think that we lose our witness when we are holding grudges against people because here's how people know if there are grudges, if there's something in our life, because it does come out in anger, it comes out in bitterness, it comes out in loneliness and aloneness and how we pull away and how we don't include people in our life and people see it and they notice it and somehow that forgiveness that was planted in our heart comes out and it it's a bad seed and it bears bad fruit and it bears a bad witness and so what i want to do today is i want to help you understand forgiveness and i want to help you understand how you can achieve it i'm a person who says you know what i will never forgive that person I will never forgive that person. And last week I told you a story about me having to forgive and how I walked through that and how I did it. Let me tell you another quick story. And then I want to give you a roadmap for forgiveness and we'll be through for today. Right before I came to Clearpoint Church back in 2008, I had been wronged severely. I entered into a contract with some people. They were supposed to pay me an amount of money. And they, they chose at the end of the contract not to pay me the last $20,000 they owed me. And so they said, actually, we will pay you ten, and you better be good with it. And so I'm a person that was going to, I wanted fairness, I wanted justice. And so I called an attorney, and I said, hey, I have a contract, I need help, um, they owe me this amount of money, I expect them to pay this amount of money. 
This was a this was a Christian attorney. <clears throat> These were Christian people. I really never had plans to sue them. I just had plans to scare them into sending me the money. But they said, I don't care that you send us a letter from an attorney. We're not paying you. Ten thousand's all you get. You can take it or leave it. And so I was really angry and I was really bitter about that. And and um, the church here, Clearpoint Church, called me as their pastor. And the first Sunday that I was here, I did not preach. I sat right here on like the second row. And there was another guy here that was preaching that Sunday. He was ending a spiritual renewal time with the church. And so I just sat and I listened. And throughout the message, God just began to speak to me. Brian, you have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. And I said, no, God, I don't. No, God, I don't. No, God, I don't. Because I want fairness. I want justice. I want my money and I want it now. That's my attitude. But as the service went on, God just began to wear me down. As we left, I told Heather, I said, hey, I got to tell you something. and You're probably not going to like it. But God told me, take the ten and he'll deal with the rest to forgive him. And she said, you know what? God told me the same thing. And so I made the phone call to my attorney. He called them and said, you know what? Brian says he forgives. He'll take the 10. It's, it's a done deal. So they, they send me the money. I got $10,000. But I was missing 10, so I wasn't real happy. <clears throat> a few weeks later, it's getting close to Christmas. Had a guy walk into my office. And he said, hey, I uh, need to give you something. And he wrote me a check. For $10,000. God settled the debt. And what God did is God, God set me free from having to deal with that pain, that anguish, the unforgiveness, and that weight that was just weighing me down. It was making me angry. It was making me bitter. And it was destroying my life. And so I'm going to give you a roadmap for forgiveness and reconciliation there are seven there are seven things here, and these are things that I just kind of put down on paper, some things that I had to work through, some things that I had to, to kind of work through myself over time, and uh, kind of brought me to where I am today. Not totally in uh, the best of places with everybody, but I'm in the process of forgiving a lot of people and asking for forgiveness and just wanting to walk in that freedom of, of forgiveness that God promises us. So the first thing is that you have to make forgiveness and reconciliation a goal. It has to be your goal. You have to realize that forgiveness and reconciliation, it's a process. I believe that forgiveness can be more immediate, but reconciliation may not be so immediate. It, it may take time. It may take years before you reconcile. But the first step is often the most difficult. But you have to make it your goal. Because God's desire is always forgiveness and God's desire is always reconciliation. That's his desire. That's his greatest desire. So after all that's been worked through, after you've kind of set that as your goal, then you can move on to the second point, And that is to pray. Pray probably needs to be at the very top, but uh, you're kind of working through and, and it may not be your nature for prayer to be your go to thing. It may be kind of reason it out, but as you're reasoning, you need to be praying. And you're setting that goal, and then you're praying to God, and you're asking God to, to show you what forgiveness looks like, to help you understand it. And when you're praying, did you know that you can spill your guts to God? Did you know that He'll listen? God, yes, God is, God is this great God, and He is a king, and He is holy, and He's 
on the throne, but literally he's not sitting up there and asking you to approach him with this great amount of respect as in you approach him in fear and trembling and want to um, withhold words and you're afraid of him. He wants you to approach him with fear and trembling as in respect, but he also wants you to come boldly before the throne of grace and to tell him what's on your heart. And if forgiveness and unforgiveness is an issue, then you need to spill your guts to God and you need to let him know exactly where you are. Share with him what your boundaries are. I'm willing to do this. I'm not willing to do this. Hey, God will listen. Did you know God will listen to your prayers? Did you know God expects you to listen when he speaks? So as you pray, you have to listen. You have to sometimes just shut up and listen to what God has to say. You sit there in in silence and, and, and as you pray from your heart, just... God, I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say. And you probably won't like a lot of what you hear. But what prayer does is prayer will begin to to bring your heart closer to God's heart. Over time, God will bring your heart to where He wants you to be on this issue of forgiveness and reconciliation. So prayer is an important key. Here's another one. Number three, as you're praying and as you're working through this, examine your heart concerning the issue. I know that my first response is, is that the, the other person there, it's, it's their fault. It's their fault. But what I do know is that in any relationship where there is offenses, where there are offenses, that it, it really takes two to tango. I mean, everybody has some bit of fault in every relationship that goes bad. If it's a divorce, it's not just that one person's fault. I'm sorry. It's not just all on them. There are things in every relationship and every in every division and every hurt that we have to own ourselves. And we have to ask God, God, show me my part in this. Examine your heart concerning the issue. Confess your sins to God and walk in the freedom of forgiveness. And so you have to receive forgiveness from God before you'll be good at extending forgiveness. Before you're willing to extend godly forgiveness. If you understand that you are greatly forgiven, then you can forgive greatly. So examine your heart concerning the issue. Number four, write down or role play how you want to communicate your forgiveness. It's very practical stuff. Write it down or find a friend, someone, maybe a spouse, maybe a a family member that you can role play and walk through what it looks like, how you're going to communicate your forgiveness. Forgiveness will start in your head And it'll be there way before it gets to your heart. Sometimes it takes a while for our heart to follow. So write it down or role play it with someone else. Number five is go to the person. So here's Matthew 18. Matthew 18 principles right here. Beginning uh, chapter, I think chapter 18, verse 15 or so. It talks about the, the process of forgiveness or reconciliation. Um, so go to the person. The Bible says if that person listens to you, if they hear you, then you've gained your brother. And that would be awesome if that's the way it played out, if that's the way it worked. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, first of all, it isn't. it might not be possible to approach the person face to face. Maybe that person has died. Maybe that person, it would, maybe it would be harmful for you to approach that person. So you have to look at various ways of how to approach them. What I did recently is... God said, write it down. So I, I wrote down what I wanted to forgive that person of, and I wrote it down exactly how I would like to say it. 
I kept it brief, but I said what I needed to say and I owned my part. I wrote it down and I sent it. And I continued to pray. And God blew my socks off when I got the response from the person that said, just today I deleted the last part of our last conversation. And I want you to know that God's been dealing with me about forgiveness, about keeping a record of wrongs, and I forgive you and I ask you to forgive me. So God will do the unthinkable. God will do the impossible if we pray and if we trust Him, if we follow His plan. So start off by going to the person. Well, what if that doesn't work? Because it might not. Then you go to number six. Go back. If it didn't work the first time, then go back. But next time, don't go by yourself. You take someone with you. The Bible says to take two or three that will be witnesses in the uh, in the issue. They can they can hear what both sides are saying and they can kind of mediate between the two and they can help you put this together. And all the time you're continuing to pray that God will bring bring peace and God will bring forgiveness and God will bring ultimate reconciliation. It says if he hears you, if he listens, then you've gained your brother. Um, if he doesn't, then you proceed to number seven. It says you take the issue to the church and you continue to pray. If he listens to the church, I, I would say it would be to the church council, maybe to the elders, to uh, pastors. Uh, ultimately, I guess it could come before the church body. And it could be worked through there. And uh, though I don't recommend that, for some reason this doesn't set well with me. But uh, the Bible says it. But what if he doesn't hear you then? The Bible says that if he doesn't hear you then, then you treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. So what does that mean? Well, Gentiles and tax collectors were the epitome of undesirable people. They were like unbelievers. They were the ungodly. They were outside the realm of, of the church. And so what it's saying here is that if a person will not receive your forgiveness, if a person will not offer you forgiveness and you can't reconcile, then you treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. And that means you treat that person not like a believing brother, but like someone who is lost and needs to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you don't give up on them. Ever. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just forget about people and just write them off and be done with them when they hurt us deeply? Well, as God's people, we're not free to do that. We're called to forgiveness. And so, forgiveness is extremely difficult, but it's extremely difficult when it's relationship-centered. It becomes a lot easier when it's gospel-centered, when it's Christ-centered, when you realize the great debts that you have been forgiven of and you're moved by the Spirit of God to release a person who has greatly offended you. And so the final thought is this. The final thought is to forgive and allow God to settle the debts. Because He will do it. He'll settle the debts. He won't always write you a check for 10000 he won't always give you what you feel like you were owed. But God will settle the debts. And He'll release you from the burden. He'll set you free. He'll give you peace. And He will bless you for taking that step. Tim Keller is a pastor. He knows the difficulty of forgiveness and unforgiveness. He says, everyone who forgives great evil goes through a death and a resurrection and experiences nails, 
blood, sweat, and tears. Because it's difficult. But Tom Wright said in his commentary on the parable of the the merciful servant, he said, forgiveness is like air in your lungs. There's only room to inhale the next lungful when you've breathed out the previous one. If you insist on withholding it, it will suffocate you very quickly. And today I just ask you to forgive. Who's the person that you wrote down on your post-it note last week? Who's that person's name that you filled your blank with this week? Then will you forgive? You understand that it's many times a process and that process begins with setting that as your goal and beginning to pray. And right now I'm going to ask our prayer team if they will come and just be available. Because more than anything in the world, guys, we want God's freedom. Freedom to live, freedom to love, freedom to care, freedom to have compassion, and freedom to experience it to the, to the nth degree. And if you're holding a grudge against anybody, whatever it is, you got to release it. And by releasing it, it's not that you're giving that person a gift. It's that you're giving yourself one. You're setting yourself free from the burdens that have held you back. And God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to have peace. So will you stand with us this morning? Maybe your first step is that you've never really experienced forgiveness in your own life. But understand, even if there's someone in your life right now who has a grudge against you, they, they're holding unforgiveness over you, Christ forgives you. He's shown you forgiveness. He demonstrated it on the cross. The greatest love any man has ever known was the love of Christ. The love of God through His Son. Maybe you need to experience that love today and that forgiveness today. If it is, you can come and we'll help you with that. Maybe you just need prayer to say, hey, this is a difficult one for me, but I know God's calling me to it. I know God's calling me to forgive. Will you just help me to begin the process and just praying through that right now? If you need help going to someone, hey, we'll go with you. We will. We'll, we'll actually get in the car. We'll go to where they are and we will help you work through that. That's why we're here. But if you just need prayer today, if you just want to come and deal with that yourself, you come as Philip leads us. You come.